0: Hello, good morning, good afternoon. Welcome to Personal Effects, podcast number one. I'm talking to Owen, California transplant, Illinois native. I've known Owen for a very long time. We met in high school orchestra. He's been my friend ever since. And now in Oakland, he is a photographer, one of the people I go to when I need stability or gas in my life and somebody that I can always count on to call me out on my bullshit immediately over text. He has a green thumb. He is great with plants. He loves cats. His hair is a little too long, and he wanted to talk to me on this podcast.
1: And I'm here with Eli, easily my longest friend. He is but a stone's throw away from where we grew up. He's living in Chicago. Top-tier dog dad. Top-tier home chef bottom tier, anything to do with plants. I've been looking forward to starting some type of audio project with him like this for a long time. I hope we don't suck at it. I hope you enjoy.
0: In today's episode, we talk about tons of stuff. We talk about art, how we feel about art, experiencing new art, what art even means, who gets to define art. We get into a little bit of how our upbringing and backgrounds informed these opinions today. The art that we are consumed with all around us.
1: We also discuss a comedy special that a lot of us are familiar with in these COVID times, Bo Burnham's Inside. We discuss some some of the ways it made us feel, some of the things it made us think.
0: And we did what we do best, is we ask more questions than answers we have. So if any of that sounds good to you, stay tuned. If not, fuck off and enjoy yesterday i was at the st louis art museum which was low-key beautiful but you know just got to experience a couple like pockets of like really meaningful and moving art art that is old art that is new Mm -hmm. art that is sort of like incomprehensible in terms of like how somebody even created it how it was created and how it has been kept how it still exists
1: a lot of contextual pieces that are always inherently missing Mm. when you're viewing a thing right Mm yeah yeah is there a standout that you remember?
0: Yeah, there's there's two. There's one, this is the low-hanging fruit, but I also like don't give a shit because it's quality. Mm-hmm. Um, almost anything by Rothko is extremely moving to me. Like, mm-hmm. if you've never seen a Rothko, it's just like similar to Jackson Pollock, meaning you can probably pick it out every single time in a lineup. Like, you're like, oh, that's, that's it. But it's... Often large bands of color with fuzzy borders and the pieces themselves are often massive, like, Mm. you know, bigger than a SUV, right? Like a canvas. I mean, the one I'm thinking about yesterday was probably like 10 feet tall, 8 feet wide. Wow. You know, so something that washes over you Mm -hmm. visually in size and visually in in what it is even like
1: presence in the room i think
0: physically exactly it's cuz yeah it always is like a natural focal point yeah um but i've always been drawn to abstract art because to me it sort of communicates like on a non-verbal wavelength i mean i don't know probably most art is like most art you're looking at that is on a wall is non-verbal but like it's sort of a different kind cuz it's just like so open for interpretation, so... I don't know how to say this, but it is amb- ambiguous in a very clear way.
1: I have the perfect metaphor for this. Oh. <laughs> um, okay. So, basically, abstract art is the astrology of art, meaning the these ideas that astrologists throw around, I guess, they're used as a framework for understanding oneself. So you're making inferences based off these, like, obviously not scientific ideas, But in my mind, the way you described the abstract painting is a framework for you to understand how you feel about this thing or how you feel about how you identify with a part of yourself
0: maybe that is experiencing this art. Yeah, I'd agree with that last point, that Mm. the the abstraction produces a feeling within me that is a familiar one, a feeling that has been sensed before in other contexts. Mm. And so it allows me to like draw a connection to make a dotted line a solid line and to bring two points of memory together into one through
1: time. Did that painting procure a specific memory?
0: I think it it definitely like brought up a handful of feelings which were kind of tied to the same era in my life. This specific piece was like shades of oranges and reds. Mm-hmm. So like imagine the orange of like... Do you know the name of-, of it by chance? I mean, I actually think... I think it was called Untitled, which I think a lot of his stuff is just untitled. But, like, people okay. then name it, like, mm. red, yellow, orange, right? Got it. Okay. But this one was, like, orange, meaning, like, the color of an actual orange. And then, like, sort of a rust orange. And then sort of, like, a faded red. It was just these three colors.
1: What part of your life did that bring you to? It... It. I feel
0: like it brought me to... The ages of, like, 7 through 9 where my only concerns were Little League baseball and not being the worst kid on the team but (laughs) making sure I was the second worst because, like, my ego could not handle being the one kid eating grass and Velcro cleats (laughs) all the way in the back. But, like, I was happy to be, like, you know, left outfielder. (laughs) Right. But, I mean, even then it's almost tough to speak in specifics about it. And I feel like that is sort of like a global challenge that I experience is translating a feeling or an emotion out because I I personally experience like multiple levels of understanding. Sometimes I have an internal understanding where I have a feeling and I can understand it internally. I've not spoken it. I've not like said it out loud, but that doesn't mean I don't understand it. It means that for me, my level of understanding is fine. I I understand, right? I get it. Mm -hmm. But then there's like translating it into language this is something my therapist talks about like all the time is mm. that like language is the reason communication breaks down because our language let's just say I know one language okay so I'll speak in those terms I only know English I cannot speak in any other language but that doesn't mean I know everything about English I don't know every single word I don't know every single word pairing conjugation structure so I'm sort of always speaking in a limited way because of my own level of understanding but in our bodies in my opinion we are boundless and unlimited and there are no fences or walls or boundaries so it's like how do we say something that is infinite but we're saying it in finite terms which in this in this case is language so it's like when i was experiencing that rothko painting for example Mm -hmm. it sort of was like oh this painting is going to give me permission to understand the feeling in the terms that, I o- that only I need mm-hmm. that only for me in my own body and in my own brain mm-hmm. need I don't actually need to say this out loud but I can know exactly what this triggers mm-hmm. in my head and it's sort of like regardless of what the thing is you're looking at that meta experience is sort of profound because the thing you are looking at is concrete right if you were allowed to you could hold mm-hmm. it touch it break it eat it mm-hmm. taste it But that's so rare in my head is to like find something that is quote unquote concrete like that and link it directly to the abstract Mm -hmm. and to for a moment realize that the spectrum between concrete and abstract, yes, is vast and can be just a millimeter apart sometimes. So that was kind of, that was why it stood out to me is because it, it, it allowed me to have that feeling where, like, vaguely I was thinking about that time from when I was 7, 8, and 9, mm-hmm. which at this point, it, like, even the memories in my head of that time are just, like, shadows of what that actual experience was. They're almost like memories of the memory because it was so long ago. Right. Yeah, which is why it's sort of difficult to even, like, explain what it brought up. But, yeah, it was one of those moments where, like, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off when they're all standing in front of that uh, Sunday in the Park with George painting. And it's just like the music is in the background. They're not even speaking. They're just like wide mouth, like staring at it. That's the outward effect of what's happening. Right. That's like the external thing. But the world is inside of you is sort of like what's happening in in my head.
1: So that was one of those moments. You can keep this one brief, but what was the the second? You said two came to mind. Yeah, the the second was... uh, Also, I like how you said that the first one was the low hanging fruit and then got all into that the way you did. Well, I mean, it was it was low-hanging
0: fruit because, like, I mean, Rothko at this point is, like, a fairly well-known American artist.
1: Well, to that point, I didn't know who that was when you said, so I Googled it. Okay. And I just did phonetic, right? R-O-T-H-C-O. Oh, K-O, yeah. Right, but I didn't know that. So when I Googled for R-O-T-H-C-O, the first result is Rothko.com, military tactical outdoor clothing oh, and gear. Everything comes back to the military. <laughs> Um, then
0: the, yeah, the second piece was from, I think it was Zambia. Mm -hmm. So it was was in Africa. I think it was Zambia from like, shit, maybe like 800 AD. Wow. I mean, old, fucking, you know, crazy old, right? Where, where it's even like, I'm looking at this. It's a, it was a statue that was maybe made out of like wood. It was, it was like Almost hard to even be like, what material is that? But it looked like wood, right? Okay. And it was just a woman in kind of the position of like, you know how like a, an animal is like on all fours, like a like a cat or a dog. They're just walking. Mm-hmm. It was like mm-hmm. a human, but in that position, but not like not like human centipede style, but it's like <laughs> it was a it was a human existing on all fours. Yeah, and it was kind of just striking because it was supposed to, at least what the tour guide told me was it was supposed to represent sort of like the mother as being the starting point of everything. Mm. The mother and child, the mother and family, mother earth, sort of like mother as a sign of life, um, all, all of these things. And I think that was striking because on one hand, what you were looking at, which is like the end result of somebody's effort, is sort of like simplistic. mm mm-hmm. But that quickly dissipates in your head and the end result being complex or simple like sort of means absolutely nothing because you're realizing that this is a result of somebody's cognitive understanding of a culture of like how their Mm -hmm. entire community and like their own world in this area in 600 or 800 A.D. existed that like this collective idea that their state of being had some sort of like inception point and this is my representation of that mm-hmm. right now this is what i think and this is what we think mm-hmm. i was like damn that shit is that was like in my head it was profound because it yeah. it completely transcended the idea of like the thing i'm looking at mm-hmm. in a way becomes meaningless after you start thinking about that person's thought process as a result
1: of, like, probably something that was more confusing than anything. I mean... Well, dude, I'm hearing you basically describe the same thing as before when you said how language is just this vehicle for trying to interpret a feeling, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what you're saying now, like, this sculpture doesn't necessarily mean anything in and of itself, or it can't perfectly encapsulate the feeling, But it was used as a vehicle for expressing that, which I guess is what language is in general anyways. And
0: like what I think one of the many reasons like humans make art is sort of like to swap out language. It's a proxy for it. Mm. You don't Mm -hmm. need you don't need language. You You can use this other medium. Yeah. To communicate something.
1: Yeah. I've been exploring some ideas similar to this. Uh, in therapy recently about like, what is my, like, what does art mean? How do you define art? Should you define art? Do I make art when I take a photo of something? What makes it art? Is it really art if I don't feel like it's art? Am I actually trying to quote unquote, say something with the photo that I've taken? This sounds like a good topic for another episode. But yeah, I mean that. Those are the those are the questions that like no
0: one can answer, right? And only you can answer. Which I feel like we've you and I, being past musicians, mm-hmm. have also confronted that idea of like, what is music? Is anything music? Is any sound music? Is like my voice speaking right now music? Who can decide that?
1: Right? Where's the line?
0: Yeah. We don't have to go into this, but the one question of that set that you asked was like, I think it was who can define art or what defines art. Mm -mm. My personal disposition, which is my answer to that, is like nobody can define it. That like that's the beauty of it is that nobody is allowed to define it and that people who do define it are inherently wrong, that no one has that power you are only tricking yourself or lying to yourself by thinking you have that power which actually is a totally different thing that is potentially unrelated to art but yeah I would say like if you go outside right now with your phone and snap a picture of the sidewalk if you want to believe it is art you are allowed to but if the next person who walks by and is like that is not art they are like also entitled to that but but ultimately it's like there
1: is no right or wrong Almost at that point, it, it feels like maybe art as a concept is not real.
0: Yeah, everything cancels. My, like, ninth grade math teacher is, like, speaking in my head, like, it just cancels each other out. Just, like, fuck the fractions, like, cross out the denominators.
1: Okay, so these ideas of art, what is art, how are we thinking of art, I think finally bring us to the topic that we planned on and wanted to talk about today. And this was, this idea came from Eli. So do you want to talk about how it came
0: to you, et cetera? Last week, I was in Texas at a wedding. I was staying with two close friends. And one of them, we were talking about stuff. And she was like, I am a big fan of Bo Burnham. Love him. Everything he's done. Um, I have not kept up with Bo Burnham. I don't know, like four or five years for, for no other reason than just like life goes on. But, you know, I understood peripherally that he still existed and was still making shows, doing his thing. Mm -hmm. But the last thing I watched from him was, like, an old comedy special that I truly loved, that I was like, I'm into this. This is a very interesting comedy social commentary on just, like, the idea of creatorship, the idea of, like, me versus you. And she was like, oh, my God, you should watch his new special, Inside, which, like, is a piece of pandemic-produced content. And in, in general, I felt relatively allergic to that stuff people who are a little in my own mind too self-referential when it comes to like the isolation of the pandemic i've like Mm -hmm. when i have you know listened to albums like that or like experienced art like that i'm just like it feels a little too close like a little too soon it's like too topical. Yeah. 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 Which is, you know, I'm, I don't fault them. Like everybody has their, own, a different tolerance for that. But I personally was like, I don't want to, I don't want to experience that yet. But this was that. But I was like, cool. I'm, I'm like going to listen to my friend. She's like obsessed with this for good reason. Like, let's, hell yeah. Let's do it. And after a night, of hard chilling, being high, eating food we turned on inside as a nightcap. So it's probably eleven PM. Interesting. Okay. In, in Plano, Texas. And it was like it was like, all right, let's do this. And I totally loved it. My I already had a generally positive personal disposition towards Bo Burnham. I would say like positive neutral. You know what I mean? I had no issues with him, but I was like, yeah, I mean I've like what he does. And and I thought it would be an interesting topic to talk about because it is a special that tackles, mm-hmm. I think, a lot of things. And one of the big things is like creation, art creation, you know, content creation. Mm-hmm. It's kind of all wrapped up in mental well-being, mental illness, or just like personal struggles that people are having.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, depression, etc., cetera, like episodic, stuff like that. And... Is still a piece of entertainment which is mm-hmm. you know just it puts a it puts a specific kind of like color over the whole thing it, it is still a piece of like profitable media something that was created to be sold I'm, I'm not saying that like mm-hmm. he created it to be sold but like that is sort of the end result of what it is now right it, it is a money generating piece of content But I was just like, it was smart. And I use this word as like a compliment, relatable, right? Like it it was like, it towed the line between like universal and singular really well, where he, I think he pretty explicitly was like, this is what I am going through. And it was, it was sort of easy, like, oh yeah, like that shit looks tough. I know you're also a rich person, but like, that doesn't mean you (laughs) don't have these things. And... I mean the music was good. I'm a total sucker for c- catchy, uh snappy things. And so I was like, Yeah, hell yeah, I'm in, I'm in right. this. Very very musical esque. Very musical esque. And I gotta admit, so like you know, the whole concept is that it was created entirely in one room. Really like really like a studio apartment. So there are there are different sections, but you know, it's more or less a
1: rectangle. Um but even even the
0: cinematography wasn't bad. So we
1: might be getting ahead of ourselves here for a moment but one of the things that really stuck out to me was his use of lighting Mm. the lighting that he used was so inventive i felt especially in a like not hollywood type of production like not a movie right I was thoroughly impressed by the lighting and the creativity around how he shot a lot of the things and how he lit a lot of the things he did. Yep.
0: And, like, the the tools. Like, he had some, like, stand lights and stuff, but a lot of cell phone mm. things, like iPhone flashlight, that was, like, really effective. A lot of uh, projection, like using a projector. Yes. Which I liked because there were times when he was also spoilers there were times when he was like projecting you know picture like uh, emojis or text which is funny but then there were other times where Hmm. he was projecting old past videos of himself and so it's like you were watching him
1: watch himself um and yeah during the the problematic song mm, yep he's watching his old video
0: yes yeah it was just it was a i think i thought it was a well done like play on time Right. Like all of these things are flattened into one time being right now, but it is not one time. You know what I mean? It's like him looking at old time.
1: I don't know. And it's also him experiencing time via the over a year of recording time that it took. Um but okay, I wanna I wanna go back now and lay out where I was coming at this from. So Eli had told me after viewing it, like, hey, you should watch this, we should do A podcast episode on it and i i had even a less a lesser conception of bo burnham than eli i knew he existed i didn't know anything about anything he's done nothing about him as a person i just knew the name and that he was a white guy who did comedy when eli told me and recommended me inside, my first feeling was kind of something you touched on already. You talked about, like, it's something that was created and kind of Mm -hmm. exists in this, like, pandemic time. But I also knew that, or I thought I knew, and I'll explain what I mean by that in a second. I thought I knew that there was also, like, political, kind of, like, racially motivated ideas in here following the entirety of 2020, but specifically, like, George Floyd, right? So I was ready to be super cynical about this rich white guy talking about race. And part of what I thought I remembered about the existence of this special, because I had heard that this special came out, but something that I thought I remembered was this YouTube video, a video essay, which I'll link to from FD Signifier, where he's talking about the special and describing it, not necessarily in a negative way, but describing it as white liberal performative art and i thought i had a memory of this video existing um, and it wasn't until last night that i went back to look for it that i realized oh i have watched this video already i've watched him talk about the special already even though i haven't seen the special so to kind of try to keep the timeline intact here i told eli that i would watch watch the special keep an open mind and i did and when I did, um, I was blown away. The I thought it was amazing and it didn't necessarily subvert the expectations I had, but I realized the expectations I had were not really in the same ballpark in terms of like, I didn't expect this thing to affect me in the way that it did. A big part of that is it didn't actually feel that political to me. I think in the beginning of the special, he's very explicitly talking about race and his place as a white person who has had spotlight, et cetera, et cetera. and like the knock on conversation that can kind of be had from that. He talked about that. And I think in the beginning, the beginning reminded me a lot of like the last season of Brooklyn nine nine to where it's like kind of like how you were saying earlier, just about pandemic stuff, but, like, just this general cringe about, like, okay, we're, like, really trying to show you that we're more woke than we were before, right? And so at the beginning, I was still kind of skeptical, but then for me, as the special continued, I started noticing a couple things. One is that it looks like, to me, the timeline of the entire special is chronological, Mm -hmm. and I think that kind of lines up with my perception, which isn't necessarily the same as Eli's or anybody else's, but after like the first, I don't know, two, three, maybe four songs slash bits, the kind of political racial elements kind of went away, or at least I started not interpreting the rest of it through that lens. And so... What eventually really started affecting me personally was being able to identify and connect with this person who is very clearly struggling through this this period of isolation and seeing kind of in real time in this kind of like fucked up way, his mental health deteriorating before your eyes. You know, maybe deteriorate is a strong word and like these ideas mean something different for everybody. But for me, and I told Eli after I watched it, I told him it made me so fucking depressed. And the reason why for me me is like oh wow I am seeing through this other person's experience I have this new understanding I'm seeing and noticing how my mental health has declined or maybe more generally changed over the course of like two years in a pandemic
0: there's two things that stick out I also while watching it and kind of after after when both we talked about it I realized that like he does sort of sort of start off on this, like, politicized note, which I think, like, does work well. Like, he, I think he states his opinion just enough. Yeah. And I was also struck by how quickly that theme melted away. It sort of only existed in, like, the first, I don't know, 15 minutes, and then you just immediately forget about it. Yeah, I, more of an observation rather than, like, a value judgment, but I don't think many people could pull that off, is, I guess, what I am trying to say. Curious, like because the show is chronological, and because you were watching him, you know, potentially deteriorate. You're you're seeing visually, like you know, him getting more haggard. Mm-hmm. Like you're seeing, right, the hair, the facial hair. You're seeing the bags under his eyes. You're just kind of seeing like a, almost like a human, like super age, right? You're like watching, yeah, like a like a piece of fruit like shrivel or something. I'm curious, like what else you saw in him, or what else did you see in yourself? Like
1: what were the similarities? Yeah. So one thing that we touched on earlier about the ideas of art, I think just because I've been talking about this in therapy and thinking about it a lot from like my own kind of photography perspective is like, what is the value of what I'm making? Does this thing that I'm making have any inherent value? Is it valuable because I made it out of like some expression of something I'm feeling? or whatever the case is? Does it have value because it can affect other people? Is it making other people feel something? So the whole idea of questioning his art or his comedy or his existence in the world, even at a broader level, kind of questioning the meaning behind that value, that's just something I've also been thinking about a lot recently. Like, Kind of like as on a little tangent, he mentions, I made a note of this, he made a a comment, if I could kill myself for a year, I would do it. And I was like, wow, why does that sound like such a novel concept? I've never heard anyone say something like that. But I was like, wow, same though. Having to just deal with life, I guess, albeit as like a super privileged person, is like such a chore. And I saw that taking a toll on him, especially in the isolation of this room or this apartment or whatever. I guess if I jump to the end of the special, at the end he exits this house, this room, whatever, and then he tries to go back inside, but he's locked out. That to me was like this huge... Thing I could personally latch on to because it's like, I don't want to do anything kind of in life many days. And seeing for him that happened after this whole like pandemic period that he was inside for, seeing it happen to him after that made me realize that, like, oh, I didn't used to be this way. I didn't used to be totally dejected about every single thing pertaining to existence. But now I've seen someone else have the same kind of reaction that I have. And I understand better that it's very much a product of the isolation felt or forced upon us even by the pandemic.
0: Yeah, I think there are a couple of important notes and distinctions to pull out there with what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. It totally makes sense that like kind of how you just finished that, like you are realizing that there is something different about you that Owen four or five years ago was not fighting these battles or, like, was not, did not have these ideas that were really front of mind. Maybe had the ideas, but, like, were not ones that, like, really took the show in your head. Mm. And that line, yeah, about, like, killing yourself for a year, global note, suicide is never the option. And, but I think what he's what he's trying to get at is, like, you can never pause time, which means you can never pause existence, which, which means there is, depending on how you experience it, a relentless nature to it. Right. Depending on where you are in your life, who you are, who you were with, there are going to be times when you feel that intensely, and there are going to be times when you don't feel that. In those moments, when it is the only thing you can feel, it makes sense that the reaction is to stop feeling that. Or is there something I can do to stop feeling that? Mm-hmm. And then to tell yourself, like, maybe I don't want to stop feeling that forever, but it would be nice to sort of pause that for a year. <laughs> yeah. Be nice to pause that for an hour. Yeah. Right. Which is like, Again, speaking personally, why drugs are helpful? <laughs> <sometimes>. Yeah, <laughs> whether it be weed, whether it be like chemically addictive mm-hmm. drugs, right? Or I mean, or even just other acts. Sometimes there are acts that allow you to suspend the cognitive understanding that like there is something happening that you can never stop. Yeah, but that you are always barreling towards the stop. Mm-hmm. So at the same time that you know you can't stop it, you are also heading towards the end
1: yeah i saw a um a share of a tiktok i think it's one of the tiktoks where like there's an original it's like a quote tweet for tiktoks like there's the original tiktok and then there's a person who like jumps in after something happens isn't that that's called that's called something a stitch right is it a stitch or like a duet no it's a stitch no i think you're right says the
0: guy who i don't have tiktok i don't think you have one correct (laughs)
1: um but yeah, so anyways, the the first, like the original tweet, so to speak, was this guy asking this question, what is a surprisingly profound quote that came from someone you didn't expect? And what the TikTok stitch or whatever shared was a video of Steve-O on Hot Ones. And the quote is, as humans, our one and only instinct is to survive, yet our one and only guarantee is that we won't. Yeah, Steve-O. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right.
0: If there was ever a argument to not give a fuck about anything, that's the argument. We exist to survive, but the only guaranteed thing is that we won't. If you had to encapsulate this production of Bo Burnham's Inside, Mm -hmm. it is sort of like one man's acute understanding and metabolization of that. It is just them in whatever way they can coming to terms with that fact. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you say too, that you, that this was depressing. Yeah. That was the, experience of the, the people that I watched it with, they were like, oh, this was really dark. Yeah. I felt the total opposite. Well, not the opposite. I didn't think it was dark or depressing at all, which I
1: don't know. I'm, I'm
0: wondering like what makes you say that? Was it like the content? Was it how you felt after?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it was the content and maybe like maybe uniquely how I was able to relate to it, how much I was able to identify myself and my own experience in the past year with the things he was saying with the things he was sharing, the feelings that he was having. I think a big piece of it, and this kind of can come from the, does my art have any value side? But it can also just come from like, what's the point of life side is like really just kind of cementing the idea in my mind in a new way, I guess, but cementing the idea that literally there's no meaning to anything. Nothing about our life is inherently meaningful And that's just a very depressing idea because how am I supposed to have motivation to do my laundry when I know that nothing matters? How can I manage to like cook myself a meal, you know, fulfill like the low tiers of like the hierarchy of needs? Like what's the point? I think Bo does kind of comment briefly on the idea of like suicide for a year, but also in general. And I think there's like this very clear distinction between kind of like nihilism and like, being so depressed that you want your life to end because for me personally I am very afraid of the idea of death Mm -hmm. I have episodes I guess you could say where I really come face to face with the fact the fact of my mortality and every time it really freaks me out and I think that which very much exists in the whole conversation of like all there is is time your time will end your instinct is to make it as far away as possible but still while you're here nothing has any true meaning
0: I think this sort of ties back to what we talked about in the beginning of this episode which is like things canceling each other out Mm. does this is an answer that all of us are going to have our own Mm -hmm. answers to but it's like okay if, if you have accepted or if you even understand this sort of like potential truth nothing has meaning what does that cancel out does that cancel out your will, your motivation, your aspiration? Does it cancel out some kind of energy inside of you? Does it change day to
1: day? Does it change hour to hour? For me personally, recently, definitely.
0: It it cancels something out, you're saying?
1: It cancels out basic motivation to do normal life things. Mm-hmm. I think those, everybody confronting what it cancels
0: out, those in my head... I don't know if this is the right wording, but those are like the little traumas of a life. Mm-hmm. That they don't necessarily have to be capital T trauma, mm-hmm. but sort of like the, the small battles, the constant one-on-ones that we're overcoming or not overcoming.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, do we ever really overcome it because any battle that we quote-unquote win ends up being futile because we all die?
0: Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I agree and have my own personal struggle with the sort of like binary nature of this, of all of this, mm-hmm. that there is an A and there is a B. There is an existing and there is a non-existing when like on one hand, yeah, that's true. But the fact that like existing can also be like a potentially boundless experience. I feel like the only reason that I'll, I'll speak singular, like for me, like the only reason I cannot fully understand that is because I cannot understand the other side, that non-existence. Mm -hmm. Is also a potentially boundless thing Mm -hmm. because no one can actually Mm -hmm. conceptualize that. Mm -hmm. That's like the one true thing that, (laughs) as far as we know, nobody that is ungraspable that we are only trying, right? Or can only try to grasp. But realistically, the constant give and take, the constant back and forth, push and pull, battle, winning and loss of accepting nothing matters, yet still doing anything that's a personal effect we are only made up of that we are only made up of that over and over and over again that is what is us i think i think i said this but i i like deeply believe that there is no in this sense there's no right and wrong right there's no value in casting judgment on another person's path Mm mm-hmm But that like if if I had to say concretely like what gives something value, what gives art value, what gives life value, what gives something that is inherently meaningless meaning, if I had to absolutely prescribe a metric, metrics to this KPIs delivering value, if I had to actually say, I would say it is if you give your time to something, Mm -hmm. which is the real finite resource, Mm -hmm. the thing that we can never increase but only decreases. Mm -hmm. If you give your time to something, then it's valuable. Then it has meaning. And that there doesn't have to be any other qualifier. There doesn't have to be any other ruler we measure anything by. If you have spent time on something, it has meaning. That's how I try to, in the best case scenario, that is how I try to see something. If I write a sentence if i take a video of something if i create anything i the, f- the first initial thought in my head is this is either good or this is bad that's the thought that's going to come no matter what but the second thought is to me the most important is then the intercepting thought that's the thought i can control i can recognize my instinct on something and say wait a second good and bad has no value here Mm-hmm. Did I spend my time on this? Yes, that's it.
1: You kind of, it sounded like you kind of equated these two ideas of value and meaning. Do those kind of exist in your head the same way? Potentially, yeah.
0: I would say like they're cousins, they're
1: close. Uh huh. I think when I think about these ideas from the art angle, I think it's way easier for me to see something that I created and think of it as being meaningful because it is an expression of myself or a feeling or thought that I had. Maybe this is like a... Maybe not naive, but a short-sighted way of thinking about this. But when I think about art or anything having value, there has to be someone who deems it valuable. Or if you think about just like the structure of capitalism, there is this system that deems things valuable, right? So when I take a photo, whatever's in that photo the actual subject matter, some emotional content maybe. Those things might have very defined meaning to me, even if it's a shit photo that was taken on my grandpa's old film camera. That even has this inherent meaning to me as a person who took it. But that definitely doesn't mean it's going to be valuable to somebody. But now I'm going down the path of, is art only art when it's valuable to somebody else?
0: Or does value only exist when there is another person to interpret it, when there is a second party? Because, I mean, even in that, in that example you gave, like you, you take a picture with your grandfather's old camera. Mm-hmm tons of context there that it's probably pretty easy for you to say like yeah this experience Mm -hmm. meant something to me Mm -hmm. does another person or another party confirming that is that the rule is that the ruler of like that meaning sort of being valid or can it end with you stating this is it this is valuable for me which means that any other party after doesn't matter in direct relation to what i've what i have already accepted Which, whether or not you agree, that idea I feel like degrades rapidly with social media because Mm -hmm. it is only built off of the opposite. It is Mm -hmm. only built off of the only way value is signified is by another party. It is not by the original conceiver.
1: Mm -hmm. This reminds me of the interview that Tim Ferriss did with Jerry Seinfeld, where Jerry Seinfeld talks about this idea where when you write something or more broadly create something... Maybe don't tell anybody about it for the next 24 hours because in his mind, what he was asserting is that you should feel proud of what you did. You should feel good that you did this thing. And I think, yeah, I think at a very root level, I think I agree with that, which I guess in a way should kind of color, so to speak, my opinion on these ideas that I've been talking
0: about. And I I see you put that in practice and I'm always surprised by it. Anytime you create something and you tell me about it, and I'm like, why the fuck didn't you tell me about this earlier? But it's like you practicing that.
1: Right. To bring this back one more time to the actual special, um, throughout the whole recording process, so to speak, which is throughout the whole special as you're watching it, there are times when Bo is questioning if this thing is ever going to get done. And I don't remember if he says this explicitly, But something else that I think people who create things also think of a lot in a similar vein is even if I do finish this thing, am I going to publish it? Am I going to share it in general? I mean, maybe I take a photo and I show Eli and maybe he likes it, whatever. Maybe there's a meaning in it to me, whatever. But maybe I don't publish it. I'm looking at my computer desktop right now and there's a bunch of photos on the desktop that like I kind of want to share, but I just haven't. Then we get into the space of, well, my mind goes to the space of this thing, which might be considered art in general, is it art if no one sees it? If the work, whatever it is, doesn't have the chance to affect somebody or elicit some feeling in somebody, is it art? Did it affect you? Probably. Are you somebody? I guess. Technically, yes.
0: <laughs> now, I mean, I mean, I hear what you're saying and agree that in general, like sharing something you've created or like elevating it away from you, is sort of a practice. Yeah. Or something that should be practiced. We're probably going to ask more questions than answers we give. Right. Because that's a very w- real way. I think you and I both experience a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And... If you find that intriguing, if you find that interesting, if you agree with it, if you disagree with it, then I am happy you listened. I think more importantly, I'm happy to like have that conversation with you, Owen, but also that like anybody else who actually does take the time to listen to this, if
1: it ever sees a light of day. It is. You don't get to, you don't get to get out of it that easy.
0: I know. I know. Yeah. Stay tuned. (laughs) That was season one, episode one in the bag. I'm Eli. I'm Owen. That was personal fix.
1: Also, why are we going to have seasons?
0: Oh, I don't know.